Hey, how many of you guys have eaten frog legs before? Oh, there's some people you guys have? All right. Did you know that when you took frog legs like that and you sprinkled salt on them, it would like activate their little nerves and their, their muscles would start moving like that? Isn't that weird? They start moving around. It's like you brought them back to life with salt. Oh, that fits in so perfectly with my message tonight. <laughs> All right. So anyway, it's not really about frog legs, but I do want to tell you, if you open up to Matthew 5 with me, we're going to look at a verse about salt tonight and see how powerful salt is and some of the things that salt can do. And you're like, this is going to be really boring, Rob, if you're going to spend the next half hour talking about salt. But I swear, it's not. Jesus has some really cool things to say about salt. So Matthew chapter 5. So as you guys open there, let me tell you this. I um, Four years ago, I went to this summer camp thing with some of you guys were there when you were in like seventh grade, you went with us. And we went to this place and there was this huge auditorium. David Platt was speaking. He was a speaker. It's just like thousands of people around, and we're all sitting around. And we're way up, like, in the kind of, like, bleacher-type seating. And as we're sitting up there, he, David Platt's like, he's letting it rock, right? Like, he's, he's dropping the word. And it got real quiet, and he's hitting that point of his sermon that everyone's, like, listening really quietly, like, intently at what he's saying. And he starts, like, talking about a verse. So I pull my phone out to get out my Bible app to check and make sure it's not heresy. And so as I'm pulling my phone out, I have that moment where it slips out of my hand and it, you know how like everything turns into slow motion in like certain moments of your life. Like this was one of them. And in slow motion, I watched my phone just start to like tumble out of my hand and I'm like trying to catch it, but I just can't get there fast enough. And I'm watching it twirl and spin and I'm horrified because I know once it hits, we're on those like really like loud bleacher type seating like places you know and so once it hits it's gonna be so loud and so i i watch it and it doesn't just like go boom and lay flat it goes boom clack, boom, like all the way down the aisle and it's so loud and there's thousands of people and it's really really quiet moment where he's about to like drop the gospel and thousands of people are gonna get saved and i'm like slam clash boom, bang 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 right and so like everybody just turns the whole place literally turns and i just see eyes they're all looking at me well during this whole thing there was this like other youth group in front of us and directly in front of me was this little boy he was tiny he was really skinny but he had the biggest bible i had ever seen in my entire life it looked like a suitcase sitting on his lap and so when he opened it he opens it like this you know and he's turning the pages one by one and he's like really proud of this bible and so i'm looking at him as i drop my phone and all this noise happens he turns immediately around with that big old huge bible and with a disgusted look on his face, he looks at me. And then he gets this big, rude smile. You're like a fake smile. Like, and then he puts both of his little skinny finger thumbs up. Finger thumbs. Thumbs up, right? And he goes, good job. Like right in my face. And I'm like, whoa, bro, I'm already like upset over what happened. You didn't have to do that. I wanted to stick him in his big Bible and just slam it shut, you know, like, like one of those. I was like, dude, you're done. He made me so mad because here I am. I'm looking at this big, big Bible he has, and I'm like, you're not acting like the love that your Bible says, dude. You know, it was like one of those. It was one of those moments. And tonight, Jesus is talking to us in Matthew 5, right? And it's that idea of living out what he's he's taught us. Like I say, I believe in Jesus, so let me live like Jesus. If I'm going to carry around a 13-foot Bible, I better act like Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I better read the thing. And know it. And that kid reminded me of that that night. 
And this quote came to mind, right? I want you guys to hear this, maybe even like remember it. This is a really good quote. The quote says, your life should make others doubt their disbelief in God. Let me say it again. Your life should make others doubt their disbelief in God. So the way you live, right? People should look at you and go, why don't I believe in God? Look at that, dude. Like, I'm not sure I'm right. The way she's living, the way he's living makes me think I might have this thing wrong. Maybe I should believe in God. So live your life in a way that would make others doubt their disbelief in God. If you carry around the big Bible, act like Jesus, right? If you're going to say that you love Jesus and you've accepted him and follow him, then do it. Live in a way that makes other people go, man, Jesus is in you. There's something different about you. And that's what Matthew 5 talks to us about. Jesus tells us that tonight. So look at verse 13. We're going to read 13 to 16. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and and, and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven now i don't know we started talking about salt already right you can see why because jesus brings up salt and he looks at us if we follow him and say you're salt <laughs> like have you ever been wanted to be called salt before it's probably not on your top 5 things you want people to call you i guess there's there could be worse right but jesus says we should be salt and not just any salt we should be the salt of the earth. Now we got to think, like, what does salt do? Why would Jesus ever say this? But salt does a couple things. First, it preserves food, right? Salt is really good to put on food to make it last. It keeps bacteria and microbes and stuff from eating it and rotting it and making it get disgusting and gross. It helps food stay good longer, like a whole lot longer. So we use salt for that. But it does something else, right? It adds flavor to your food. As a matter of fact, it, it doesn't just add flavor, it brings out flavors. It makes all the delicious flavors that are already there that you can't really taste yet pop out when you put salt on it. It like helps those flavors be like more pronounced and you you taste it and you're like, that was stinking good. I need another one of those. But if you go to your like grandmother's house and maybe she like has a bad heart, can't have salt, and she always cooks that stew that's like blah and just tastes like warm water. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't, but like old people sometimes make stew like that or food like that. You realize just how bland food can be without salt. It's just like, ugh, it's a chore to eat this thing. I can't even get it down. But you got a little salt in there. Mm. I'm telling you what, those flavors start to pop, and it starts to taste so delicious because that's what it's good at. That's what it does. And Jesus looks at us, and he says, listen, I want you to be the salt of the earth. There's a lot of people who preach this chapter, right? And they focus on the preserve part. They talk about salt preserves. So the church should be out preserving the world, keeping the world from getting worse. That's our job. That's the salt part. But he actually doesn't say anything about preserving anywhere in this chapter at all. 
As a matter of fact, the next thing he says in the next verse, he talks about taste. So I think it's the second one of the two that Jesus is focused on where he's saying, like, hey, listen, you should flavor the world around you in a way that makes them want Jesus. You should walk into the world and pronounce, like, hey, Jesus is so awesome. Look at my life. Experience it. Life will taste better if Jesus is in it. And as they're around you and they're, they're, they're seeing how you live and they're actually like being ministered to by you, who would have thunk that, right? They're going, why? Why would you be such a good friend? Why would you reach out to me? Why would you serve me? Why would you love me like this? Like, I don't get it, but they know it's awesome. And they're like, there's something different because you just changed my life. Like you just stepped into a situation that was messy that you could have easily walked by. It makes me think of the story of the Good Samaritan who was salt, the salt of the earth. He could have just walked by that guy laying in the road. And what's he do? He jumps in the middle of the mess. And he helps and he loves and he's the arms and feet of Jesus. And he flavors that guy's life and that guy's situation in a way where he's like, wow, that's what grace tastes like. <laughs> that's amazing. I need to know the Jesus that causes you to love people like that. I need to experience the grace and the forgiveness you have, but I want that too. It tastes amazing. And so Jesus is like, hey, be the salt of the earth if you follow me. Don't make the world bitter. Don't add to the brokenness. What are you going to preserve about a broken world anyway? It's a mess. He doesn't want to just preserve it. He wants to transform it. He wants to make it so much better. I know that because Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, right? But be what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Listen, he wants to transform you. He wants to start in your heart. As you submit to Jesus and you get on your knees before him and say, I'm yours, Jesus gets to work in you. You start to obey him and trust him. He, start, he does things in you. He grows your faith. He makes you more bold than you ever thought you could be. More courageous than you'd ever attempt on your own. Jesus does incredible stuff when you trust him and say, all right, God, I'm scared, but I have faith. Let's do this. He picks you up and he sends you to places you never thought you could go. And all of a sudden there's salt going into the world. There's this flavor being added into the world that makes people go, that's unmistakably the flavor of Jesus. There's no doubt about it. I've never tasted anything that good. I've never experienced anything like grace, like forgiveness, like the love a Christian could give to someone that they don't even have to. Love the unlovable. Love even your enemies. You see, we're called to flavor the world. What kind of flavor are you bringing to your school? kind of flavor are you bringing to your group of friends? Some of y'all, as you sit here in a firehouse on Wednesday night and distract all the people around you every single week, and every week we hug you and love you and say, come back. Why? Like, bring a flavor to this place that says, we love Jesus. We're here to hear about Jesus, to learn about him and grow with other people that love Jesus too. We don't want to come and just be a distraction. We want to come and grow. People will hear that and see that and taste that and go, I want that. 
I get that in my life. Jesus wants to transform. John 10.10 also tells us this. The thief comes not but for to steal and kill and destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This incredible grace, this, this flavor that Jesus wants to give to the world as he transforms it and makes it even more abundant. So, who are you? What flavor do you bring? Is Jesus someone that you like, man, I, he's cool. Like, he's cool on Wednesday nights, but that's about it. Like he's cool when my parents make me say he's cool or go to church. But, like, other than that, I don't bring Jesus through my day. I got my own things to do, my own friends to be with, my own life to live, and I do it a certain way. But listen, if Jesus has given his life for you, don't you think he deserves that he could be in every piece, every nook and cranny, every little bit of your life and your heart? What kind of flavor do you bring? I hope you enjoy spending time with Christ. And you bring that same joy into the people around you. That they would look at you and go, man, you're salt. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. I can clearly see it. But look what happens. The next part of the verse says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? When you look up that phrase, lost its taste, it's also, it means, it's an expression that's used for salt, but it actually literally means, and more commonly is used to say, to become foolish. To salt, when it has no flavor anymore, they would just basically say it was foolish. Like, this is useless. It's pointless now. Why put this tasteless stuff on our food? It doesn't add any flavor. It doesn't do anything. It's lost its flavor. So it's basically foolish. And they, that was the phrase that to them meant it lost its taste, which is so crazy because when we're talking about people, it makes more sense, right? People who would say, hey, I follow Jesus, but I'm not actually living for him. I say I'm a Christian, but all I do is distract in church and in my youth group and I run around like, and, and I in my family, like I disrespect my parents. I just live for me. I just do me. But I'm a Christian. He's like, what happened to your flavor? You're, you're a fool. Why are you doing something that's pointless? Because just saying you believe in Jesus doesn't do anything for you. It's when you take your whole heart and you hand it to him and say, God, I'm yours, that you're actually saved and forgiven and receive grace. And he transforms your life and you look different. That's like a whole journey that just goes because you've said, I'm all in. You stand on this side and you're just faking it. It's foolish. You're wasting your time. If you're not going to follow Christ, go live it up because that's all you have. You have a few more years in this earth and then your fun's over. You better live it now. You better enjoy it now because it's all you have until you face a real place called hell that is an eternal punishment. So you better enjoy it now. It's foolish not to. Or you make the wise choice and you say, you've given everything for me. You've given me your son. 
I'm following you. I'm following you straight into eternity and living by your side in heaven forever. I'm enjoying your grace and forgiveness next to the one who created me and loves me and puts breath in my lungs every day. That's where I want to be. Be salt. Be real. Be genuine. Live for Jesus. Because when salt has lost its flavor, it's useless. And salt loses its flavor easily. Like it absorbs humidity and basically sucks in like liquid from the air until it replaces all the actual salt with this basically like this leftover waste. And it still looks like salt, but has no flavor. It's not salt anymore. It's kind of gross. If you ever in a restaurant see little grains of rice in the salt shaker, that's why they put the rice in there because it absorbs the moisture and keeps the the salt better for longer, right? Nobody wants it. You toss it out. It literally says, check this out. It literally says, you should toss it out and so it can be trampled under people's feet. That's how useless it is. Throw it on the ground. Let people walk all over it. Step on it. Nobody cares about it. Like, this is a useless thing. What Jesus is describing here is someone's fake faith. Fake faith is useless. If it's just an act you're putting on, you could throw it on the ground and trample it because it won't do anything for you. There's no value in it. There's no flavor to it. Your relationship with Jesus should be the most incredible, exciting thing you've ever stepped into. And if it's not, you're not doing it right. Jesus isn't boring. The God of all creation who created everything you see And what you can't see is not boring. Maybe it's the way you're interacting with him. Maybe you're too busy living your own life and not spending time with Jesus, letting him use you as salt in the world. And so you think it's boring because you don't really know Jesus. That type of faith says it's, throw it on the ground. Just let people walk on it. It's pointless. It's valueless. And then he says this, he adds on to the salt. He says, you're the light of the world. We are supposed to bring attention to the truth. You light up a flashlight so you can see what's around you and you know what's actually there, right? The truth of what's there, reality. And that's what we're supposed to do because we live in a world that's dark, a world that's full of lies and people don't know the truth. If we had to count up all the religions in the world tonight, All the ones that are false, there'd be so many. All the different ideas and ads and and things people are trying to get us to believe, it would just be this countless amount of things, and they're all lies. He says there's only one truth out of all of them, and what we should do is be this flashlight, this spotlight that walks out and says, this is truth. I know there's a lot of darkness, like there's a lot of lies, but I know the truth. I have found it. I talk to him every morning. I spend my day with him. I know truth. I want you to know it too. And just as bright as these lights are shining on me, we should be shining that light on Jesus so people can go, that's it. That's the truth right there. That's worth living for. He is worth it. You know how they see it? Because of you? Because you're doing it? You're living it and you're loving them in a way they've never experienced before? Because of what Jesus is doing in your heart. And it's like a spotlight going, this is real. This is the genuine article right here. Jesus really lives in this guy or this girl. I can't deny that. Be the light 
so people can hear the truth, speak the truth. Like what we're doing right now, we're opening up God's word, which is truth, and we're telling people the truth that's written down through centuries. People have been able to go to the Bible, this unchanging word, and say, this is true. Proclaim it. Tell people the Bible, teach them, and live it out so they can see it in your life. That's being the light of the world. And then Jesus says this, he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So imagine this this big old mountain, and there's a whole city sitting up there. And at nighttime, everybody flicks their lights on. You know, they're, they're, they're in the dark. They're doing their things that they do at night, and you're down in the valley. And as you look up, just the light from all of those windows of this city would be enough. Light up that night sky. I mean, you would see that thing for miles and miles around. And Jesus is pointing out, like, you can't hide something like that. You couldn't even pull the shades down and get it dark enough to really hide the lights that would come out of a whole city. And so he says this, that's you. You shouldn't be able to hide a light in you that's so bright it created heaven and earth. The light of Jesus is way brighter than you could ever imagine. You shouldn't be able to just hide it. Let it shine. Let people see it in you. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, it gives light to all in the house. Like, you don't go into your house or your room at night and, like, turn your lamp on and then take your laundry basket and stick it over the top of it. Like, that'd be that's dumb. Like, why would I do that? Why turn the lamp on to begin with? And as, as dumb as that sounds, like, don't we do that so often with the way we live? I love Jesus. I go to church. carry my huge Bible around but then I don't live for Jesus? Or when that first like friend comes up that is an atheist and would just make fun of me immediately, I turn the light off or I pull that basket over me, you know, to hide the light. Oh, no, I'm good. Like, no, I just, I believe what you believe. Or I just stop talking so that they don't know that I believe in Jesus. That teacher, you know, is just going to grill you. Because you believe in Jesus and you know that teacher is an evolutionist who is an atheist and doesn't like religion at all and thinks you're unscientific, right? So what do we do? Sometimes we hide it. And Jesus is like, why? It's so counterintuitive. Like, it's so bright in you. Open it up. It's the truth. Why live in lies? Let the light of Christ shine through you so other people can see you. And he says this in the same way. In that same way, let your light shine before others. Stop hiding. Christians in the room, how are you living? Do you go to school and live for Christ, or do you immediately get there and start to like get caught up with your friends and forget about Jesus and start in with the same joking and same talk and same things that your friends are doing because it's cool and you're like in the rhythm. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a whole vibe. You're just like part of that thing. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, what happened to my relationship with Christ? The last night I was, I was in youth group and we were worshiping and I was singing to Christ and like praying and now here I am, first thing Sunday morning, I'm gossiping as I walk in and immediately talking and bad about this teacher I disagree with and uh, telling these jokes over here that should never come out of my mouth and listening. Like it just seems to snowball. Quickly we get caught up in the sin and Jesus is like, who do you live for? Let your light shine. Jump all in. 
Follow me. Because in the same way, let your light shine before others. But how often do we desire sin more than letting our light shine so other people can see the love of Jesus? And when he says this next part, check this out. He says, so that they may see your good work. He's not talking about you like getting a big chest, you know, a big head, and you're walking around like, yeah, you know, look at me like I'm such a good Christian. I'm a trendy Christian. I'm a whatever like is in your mind that you're trying to like portray for people. This isn't about you. It's not about your good works or people patting you on the back. And be like, you're such a nice guy. You're such an awesome girl. Like you're helping people and serving orphans and feeding food to the hungry. Good job. That's not what it's about. These good works have a purpose. These good works are the things that Jesus prepared you for, built you for, designed you to do. Like you are gifted for these things that Christ has given you so that you'll go out and shine. Let your light shine through these things. When he's talking about your light shining and being salt, he's not just talking about you like trying to live a certain way so other people see it and go, all right, that's a Christian. What he's talking about is you stepping out of your comfort zone into the messy lives of other people, into the awkward conversation. Wrapping your arm around that person who's got like the snot rockets because they're crying so hard and you just want to walk the other way because you're grossed out, but you know they need someone to love on them. It's about you stepping into people's lives and literally doing things that impact people, real people, real hearts. These good works he's talking about is the light that you're shining, not so you get the glory. It's so that people start to go, whoa, I've never been loved like that. No one's ever cared that much about me before. No one's ever stopped to ask me that. And they look at you and they go, there's there's something different. It has to be Jesus. And if they don't get it, guess what you get as an opportunity? You get to go, you want to know why I love you? I don't know why I did it. It has nothing to do with me. Because I'm loved. I've experienced that same thing. I know what you're feeling right now. It happened when someone else loved me and told me about this guy named Jesus. And I want to tell you about him too. All of a sudden, the light of Christ is shining and you are being salt that is flavoring the world around you. Because you're actually reaching out and loving people and telling them who Jesus is. Even the ones that you're scared to tell. Don't hide your light under a basket. Step out and trust Jesus. Reach out to the hurting. And here's what happens as we close. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know that the good works that you do, all that loving and that kindness and that service, every time you speak the truth of Jesus, what it does is it puts the spotlight up. And it causes people's eyes to look up and say, that's who you serve? That's who you follow? That's who you love and who loves you? And you say, yeah, it's Jesus. And the glory goes to the Father, not to us. The whole point is that they get the flavor of the gospel of Jesus. And once they get a taste of it, Jesus takes over. I mean, there is no denying 
how sweet the gospel is when you're a hurting, broken person and the goodness of Jesus comes in. It's like refreshing to your soul. I think a lot of you guys in this room have experienced that. You know what I'm talking about. The day Jesus saved your soul. Why wouldn't we want to bring that to other people? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? The band's going to play a song, and as they do, I want to ask you, would you just think through that question I asked a second ago, like, are you salt and light? Would you consider yourself tonight to be living for Jesus in a way that's flavoring the world around you for Christ? Would you stop and just ask yourself that? Maybe just even ask Jesus, like, maybe I think I am, but God, will you just be honest with me right now in this next song? Would you just tell me, reveal to me if I am or not actually doing this? I want to be genuine tonight.